You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 119 and 120 of reading through the Bible in a year. And uh, maybe you're reading or maybe you're just listening, which is, to be honest, quite a treat for you. Um, We are going through and we find ourselves really just at the beginning of what is referred to as the histories in the Bible. We finished finished the Pentateuch, and now we are right in the middle of Joshua. Where are we, Matt? All right. Today's Old Testament reading is Joshua, chapters 15 through 18. Huh. That felt right. That was a nice little hook. It felt good. Oh, man. All right. We are finally at the place of allotment. Yes. Uh... So we had Caleb asking for his portion as a representative of Judah. So then we get into just the allotment of Judah. And Judah gets a pretty big portion of the land. But do you know what a big deal this is? I mean, this is going back to Abraham. Right. Abraham promised this land. He's one guy just building some little altars Around in the, a land yes. of, in a strange land mm-hmm. that is promised his. He's buried in the land. That's it. There's one guy and his wife buried in this land. And 400 years, 447 years later, or whatever it is, yeah. they're moving in. Yeah. And so, and now they know they're moving in. They've already come in, but now it's time to set up. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to win the wars. Now the process, it's a whole nother process. And it starts off by let's allot the land. And so the first land, the first allotment on in the Canaan is given to Judah, uh, primarily because of the blessing that uh, Jacob gave to Judah yeah. upon his death, and basically setting him up as a leader of the twelve tribes. And even in the arrangement uh, that they were uh, traveling around the tabernacle, mm-hmm. Judah was in the front position, like in the leading vanguard and so they get their land first yeah and and remembering too that all of the allotment of land like uh moses already kind of allotted at the beginning when they were Mm -hmm. in the the desert who lived where around the tabernacle yes so it was all according there's four sides north south east west Mm -hmm. and it was all according to your mom Mm -hmm. yes so it was according to uh who are the moms again rachel rachel Rachel, uh, Leah, Leah Zilpa, and Bilhah. Bilhah, right. And so, um, so you're starting to, with the lots, with mm-hmm. casting the lots, which mm-hmm. is basically put it in the Lord's hand, um, rolling dice, kind of, to a degree, and trusting the Lord, you're going to start to um, fully possess it. And so it just goes through the, um, the boundaries of Judah first, right? Yep. So we start off with the boundaries of Judah. Uh, they were the largest single tribe, mm-hmm. and so they get the largest portion. Uh, and then in the middle of the boundaries, we get this, another story of Caleb who he, uh, basically says there's this town and he's like, Hey, if anyone, whoever takes this town, I'll give you my daughter right. and, as, to marry. Caleb's 80 something. And he's like, I really want this town, but I need some fresh legs. Yeah. And so his nephew yeah. takes the town and he gives his daughter to him to be married and they're getting and they get that town as their inheritance and his daughter goes up to C- Caleb and says 
Um, you've given us this land, but I need you to bless us because there's no water in this land. So give us a spring right. that we can have for this land. And so Caleb gives her two springs. Right. Which is awesome. Yeah, Caleb is um, understanding the generosity of God. Like he's mm-hmm. he's not trying to just grab what he can for himself. It's all about God, what God's given us, and I can be generous, especially with my kids. Yeah, I love it. It's not weird that she married her cousin, is it? Um, no. Okay, just making sure. No. Um, then you have a scene where they... Uh, who is it Ephraim and... Well, Manasseh. yeah, so then we get in the rest of that chapter, in chapter 15, we get yeah. the whole breakdown of all the towns and the cities that are included. And you look at a map. I'm telling you, look at a map and you'll kind of see... Uh, there's a quick little thing at the end of 15 where it says but the jebusites the inhabitants of jerusalem the people of judah could not drive out so the jebusites dwell with the people of judah at jerusalem to this day wow and so the jebusites if i'm remembering correctly uh they do not actually get removed from jerusalem until the era of david yeah so now this is the first time we're seeing where it, they're not devoting all the people to destruction. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the past, I would be quick to say, see, they're disobeying already. Mm-hmm. It's starting. But you got to think, like, you're exhausted. You've been battling. And it's just really, it's it's actually really harder to finish a job than it is to start a job. Yes. And so you're starting to see, like, the demand of finishing mm-hmm. is getting tough. Yes. And so it's not a deal breaker. God's not, like, upset. Yeah. Um, he's very gracious with them he's a gracious and it's exciting because they're getting the land mm-hmm. but there's just um, there's this idea of that God's been saying when you go in the land now you're mm-hmm. in the land and uh, it's not perfect yet but it's your land and you're, you got work to do with God yes that's all it is and are you going to do it with God or are you going to do it in your own strength it's kind of what will unfold Then you go to, then the allotment of Ephraim and Manasseh. Yeah, and this is interesting because Ephraim and Manasseh are basically the two tribes of Joseph. Right. So Joseph... Who is a type of Christ, absolutely saving them in Egypt. I mean, the reason they were in Egypt, they were saved, but then it turned into a curse. And he's not... So Joseph was not the firstborn of Jacob, but he was the firstborn of Rachel, and he was the favorite of Jacob. And so Jacob adopts... Was Benjamin born before Joseph? No, Benjamin was... After. After. Oh, yeah. And Benjamin was one of the last sons to be born. That's right. And he... Jacob had adopted Ephraim and Manasseh as his own sons and gave the firstborn blessing to them as a whole. And so by making them two... By making the tribe of Joseph two tribes, they ensure a double portion, which is what you get as a blessing of a firstborn. So... There's two tribes. They get two inheritances of the land. Manasseh, half of the tribe of Manasseh already has a portion on the east side. Now they're going to get a portion on the west side, and Ephraim is going to get a portion. So, And it works out then because Levites get no land, mm-hmm. and so it still works out perfectly, the 12, yes. 12 tribes, 12 lands, yes. even though there's like 13 now yes, because of Joseph's double blessing. So we get the borders of Ephraim. Ephraim is kind of a small... A small portion, uh, but Shiloh is one of us. Is a city of note. I'm just gonna asterisk that little city. Okay. Shiloh yes. is in Ephraim. Ephraim is also the tribe that uh, 
Joshua is from, who's currently leading. Okay. Uh, so we get Ephraim, they get their allotment, and then in 17, they talk about Manasseh's two allotments, the one on the east side and the one on the west side, and this is where the daughters of Zelophad come back in. Yeah, because he had no sons. Yes. And so then Joshua, was it Moses and mm-hmm. Joshua made a deal. Yeah, so Moses, they went to Moses first, while well, Moses was still alive, right. and they asked for their allotment and said, we just want to make sure that our allotment stays within Manasseh. Mm-hmm. And now they go to Joshua just to, again, to re-up and be like, we just want to make sure that our land is just as much uh, included in the lands of Manasseh. And Joshua's like, yes, you are good. Uh, that is Manasseh's land. It will always be part of Manasseh. You, Your agreement with Moses stands. So kind of both chapter 16 and 17 are about Ephraim and Manasseh, right? Mm-hmm. So like with Ephraim, it says, um, however, they did not drive out the Canaanites who lived in Gezer. Yes. And so the Canaanites have lived in the midst of Ephraim to this day, but have been made to do forced labor. So there it is again. They couldn't fully wipe it out. and um, Or they, they start to make agreements. Yeah. And they're like, ah, eh, you'll just be so, our slaves. So I was wondering about that. And the thing that struck me, is how God announces our future, but it's like now, but it's not totally done. It's not yet. Mm-hmm. And so even for us, like we have the promise of resurrection. We get all these benefits now, but we still have sin and agreements and hardship in our lives, even in the, in the promise of Jesus. Of Jesus. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's interesting. That, that's like a reality. There's still, you're saved. Cause sometimes you might think, you get saved, and now everything should be good. And if it's not good, you're being punished or something, or mm-hmm. you become legalistic, or you just become like apathetic. You don't care. And the reality is, like, no, there's still work to be done. Mm-hmm. Like you're you're slowly claiming and moving into your inheritance as a resurrected child of God in the name of Jesus. It still is your land. Yeah. You just don't like physically own it all. You're moving into it. Yeah. And part of that is trusting the Lord to clean it with you and for yes. you. So. I don't know. I think about that with with reoccurring sins mm-hmm. in our lives and such. And then halfway through 17 in verse 14, we have uh, the two tribes coming to Joshua and going, "Yeah, um, the the land you've given us, there's not, there's we're we're like the the two tribes of like Ephraim and Manasseh actually are like bigger than any one tribe, and so they're kind of complaining. They're going, we don't have a lot of room." And mainly because our land is littered with giants and we just don't, we've, we don't think we can take them. Uh, right. Can you give us some other portion, please, yeah. that's already been taken? And Josh was like, uh, is God with you or not? Like, do it. Uh, God said, this is your land. This is your portion. Right. You just have to go take it. Don't complain to me. God's going to do it for you. Do you believe that or not? And then he's just like, you're going to clear out that land. You have to clear it out. This is the land that you've been given. Right. Figure it out. So you do kind of see everyone's looking to Joseph, but jo- uh, Joseph, Joshua. But Joshua is saying, you're empowered now. Yeah. Like, I've given you your kingdoms now, your tribe. You can do it. You have the Lord with you. Don't be scared. Be strong and courageous. What are you guys doing? Like, this was always the plan. Mm-hmm. We're a kingdom of priests. We're a kingdom of people who go out and walk into the inheritance that has been secured for us by God. Right. So he encourages them. 
And how does that one end? He just says, uh, you'll drive out the Canaanites, though they have chariots of iron and though they are strong. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't worry about what they have. Yeah. God's don't... with you. You have God. Which is a great message, like, for us, you know, because all we can see sometimes are the giants and mm-hmm. the chariots and all the powers that are working against us. And so it's like, when we go to the Lord, he's like, no, you, you're, I'm with you. Take it. You have me. Yeah. That's what you have. The creator of all those things. Yeah. So don't freak out about those things. And then, then we get into 18, where they've moved from Gilgal, which mm-hmm. was their first position once they crossed the Jordan. And now they've set up in Shiloh. Yeah. Uh, which is in Ephraim, and this is where the tabernacle, the tabernacle is for a while. Right. And the Ark of the Covenant, it's in Shiloh, which is in like the middle of the land of Canaan. So this is, uh, it took me a second to figure out what's the, what's the deal with Shiloh. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's, it's not just the name of a girl I knew in seventh grade. Huh. Um, I know, I thought about her when oh. I read it. Her name was Shiloh. I knew some Shilohs. Yeah. I know, and I was wondering now, I wonder if she came from like a, either a Jewish family or a Christian family. But anyway, hmm. um, but what what is amazing with this scene is that Shiloh now is going to be, it's really close to Mount uh, Ebal and Gerizim, mm-hmm. Ger- Gerizim. Gerizim, where the curses and the blessings were announced. And so this is a mountain uh, where God is yeah. right now. But then I realized uh, it will move to Sinai again, or we'll move Jerusalem. We'll move to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem will be the mountain. Mm-hmm. And so the Samaritans, though, when Jesus talks to the lady at the well, she's like, well, we have our mountain. Yeah. And I realized, oh, the Samaritans are using the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, and in this part, they settle yeah. at Shiloh. So this is where God is. Yeah. But then the rest of the histories, which is Judah and all those guys will... will subscribe to the rest of it because the mountain of God is right there in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And so everyone's fighting part of the racism and the misunderstanding between the people of God much later during mm-hmm. Jesus' time goes to what mountain does God meet with us on? Yes. And he wouldn't change it. And God's saying, yeah, I change it all the time. Mm-hmm. In fact, Jesus says, a little bit of faith, you'll be able to move a mountain. Mm-hmm which is so great because the reality is now we meet with God wherever we want. We have moved mountains by our faith. Yes. Our faith in Jesus Christ has made me and you sitting on a mountain right now because mountains are the places where you meet with God mm-hmm. and you can meet by my spirit in the name of Jesus Christ anywhere, anytime you are on the, you've moved the mountain with your faith. Yes. But so that clicked for me. I was like, Whoa. <laughs> because, yeah. Okay. There's more to say, but, um, so then he goes and he starts describing. So as we get lost in the description, if you're reading this, the description of the, um, the borders for um, Judah. Benjamin. And then he goes to Benjamin. Mm-hmm. Something, um, again, dropped for me. Yes. And it's the idea of allotment of inheritance. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we can just look at a map, see it, because it's been written out. And Joseph, or Joseph, I got Joseph in my head now. Joshua. Joshua is giving them every part of the land and sending them into it because it's theirs, but they're going to have to fight some battles. Yes. Jesus says, go to Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. So he starts off telling his disciples, I just realized, Jesus is saying, I'm giving you and allotting you your land, but your borders, Jesus doesn't have a whole chapter where he lists your borders for each disciple Mm -hmm. tribe. 
He says, yours are the uttermost parts of the earth. Your inheritance, your allotted inheritance is the world. Yes. Because I have conquered the enemy death. Yes. I have conquered all the inhabitants that are devoted to destruction. And now I am telling you, walk in to when you get into the land, you get this whole earth restored. So you disciples go out, Mm -hmm. proclaim, and here's your weapons, proclaiming the gospel and baptism. So baptism becomes the sword of the spirit because what's happening in baptism? Death Death. and resurrection. Mm -hmm. They're being drowned and they're being brought back to life. So go out and announce the gospel because the whole world now is your inheritance. inheritance. And it's been secured by God through his son, the word of God made flesh. Like anyway, well, we'll get into that in John. But I was like, oh, so Christ is the new Mm -hmm. Joshua. He's given us our allotment, which is the earth. Mm -hmm. Now go, be strong and courageous, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, because that is conquering. Mm -hmm. But then you die, but you get raised up. Or if you reject that, you're just going to be under the judgment and so in, of, of Christ because you refused him. And so we're living in our land right now with some Canaanites and some people devoted to destruction. We're working out our inheritance now mm-hmm. under the reign and rule of Christ. Um, an interesting note is when Benjamin gets their allotment, they're sandwiched in between Ephraim and Judah. Right. And they actually end up getting uh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is actually within the tribe of Benjamin, which I constantly forget. Yeah. But just noting that. So, because that's that's the reading for today, but as we go, it's going to be, the next chapter is really about allotment. For the rest of the tribes. For the rest of the tribes. But if you can get it in your brain, this is why Christ sends out his disciples to the uttermost parts of the world. Mm -hmm. And he has to overcome, first of all, go to Samaria. I know you hate those guys, but they get it. Yeah. And go to Africa. Philip goes and talks to the eunuch, mm-hmm. and it goes to Africa. And now somehow it got to Europe through Paul, and mm-hmm. it got to America through... And, you know, so we're all kind of in a tribe under a disciple mm-hmm. who is connected to a tribe, and our allotment is the world. Yeah, you know. I don't know if all the tribes are represented they as are disciples. Not. They are not, but... Most of them are from Judah. Judah. Well, there you go. Thank <laughs> God for one faithful uh, tribe, you know, even Caleb, but... You start to see how this thing's going to work yeah. and put it together, and it's pretty spectacular. So thank you, God, that give us then the courage and the faith to walk into those places. And we have giants and battles, but be strong and courageous. The Lord is with you. Mm. All right. Our New Testament reading for today is a new book, John Chapter one. Wow, that took a yeah, interesting turn. I was there. going with you stopped talking. I was gonna keep I was like playing music according to your oh, yeah, that's good. what you were saying. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, John dude, chapter one. Book. We're in John. This is the last gospel. This is the most different of all the gospels. No. John is a great this is the book that they tell you like new Christians or mm-hmm. if you want to read about Jesus, read John. In and, my Yeah. Humble opinion. Yes. This should probably be the first gospel. Yes. Because of the way it begins. Right. Which is, it mirrors Genesis. Dude. Which Genesis. is really cool. I should make up a Genesis song every time we, we hear it. Like, what would that sound like? It's uh, kind of ominous. <laughs> Darkness and chaos. <laughs> the Lord spoke, let there be light. 
that's all. Yeah, I like it. Okay. All right. John is to the world. So like Matthew, Mark, and Luke all have specific audiences. Mm-hmm. Matthew is a Jewish, he won't even say, like he says, kingdom of heaven. He won't mm-hmm. say Yahweh. Mark is to the Romans. He's talking about the power and authority of Jesus, generally. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. generalizing these things. Luke is also to kind of a Roman yeah, history. Potentially the the defender of Paul yes. before he goes on trial before Nero. And John's purpose now, and I, the most historians believe John has already seen these other Gospels and yes. is like, okay, I'm going to write one to the world. I'm giving a different angle of this thing, yeah. um, of the life of Christ. Weird story, and I don't know if it's completely true, but I read it in a book, so. <laughs> Great. Well, um, you know. It, it was a book about the early church. Let's hear it. And, uh, the other gospels were circulating at this point, and the apostles were like, "We we want another apostle to write a gospel." And mm-hmm. so they prayed and fasted to choose which uh, apostle would would write the gospel. Mm-hmm. And Andrew woke up the next morning and said, "God wants John to write this gospel." Oh, you told me this once. I, I like it. Yeah. Why not? I think it's it's kind of cool. I don't know exactly where that comes from, but. Uh, I and, thought it was a cool story. And this is the John who will be exiled, mm-hmm. who writes Revelation, right? Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Well, he begins his gospel, I think, beautifully with uh-huh. the words of creation. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus Christ is the Word. So... This means something different to us. If you're on day 120 and you've been following, <laughs> think about what we've read where uh, Moses and God says, write the words, the 10 words. Yes. Write them. When you get to this land, plaster them on rocks, put them on your foreheads, put them on your doorposts. Never forget this word. Write this word. The word summed up is loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Every second, every fiber, love him. Then love your neighbor as yourself. And so John starts off, this is the creative word of God. In the beginning, God's word, let there be light, in Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is the Ten Commandments. He is the, in the flesh, loving God with your whole heart. This is what it looks like. This is who, this is what the law is. So Jesus is the law because the law is good. Mm -hmm. Loving God all the time, loving your neighbor all the time, and now he's here among us. Yes. You know? like. Yeah, no, this is great. I love that connection. And then it's like he creates. So Jesus Christ is the word. The word creates life. So he doesn't come as Moses, the law giver. He comes as the fulfillment of the law Mm -hmm. and gives good news that if you hide under my wings, if you allow my blood to be put on the doorpost Mm -hmm. of your life, of your heart, you will be forgiven for not loving and you will receive my love for God. Yes. will be counted to you. My love for my neighbor will be counted to you. And then you're free from the accusation of the law to actually grow up underneath the love of Christ and learning how to love your neighbor. Yeah. So that it is not dependent on your obedience or disobedience or anything, but you can put yourself in a position of repentance, constantly receiving forgiveness for the sake of Jesus Christ, who is the word of God, mm-hmm. who is the light of God. Yeah. I, it's such a beautiful... And I didn't even, we haven't even gotten to... I mean, we're going basically all of John chapter 1 today? Yes. We can do it. But the word made flesh has dwelt among us. 
Yeah. I mean, this is the word of God. The 10 words of the God. The 10 words is here yeah. in the flesh. And he came to witness, to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. Um, this is what John did. So John says, look, the light overcomes it. And uh, Jesus is the light. But I've come to bear witness about this light. So John is the last prophet. Oh, John the Baptist. All right. Uh, John the Baptist. Yes. Yes. Which is the difference between John who wrote this. Yes. Yes. Good Good call. Yeah. Sorry. No, I'm glad I'm you said throwing that. throwing that name around. No, I love it. Yeah. Lots of Johns. Yeah. So uh, John the Apostle begins with John, the testimony of John the Baptist. Right. And John the Baptist is from the tribe of Levi. He is among the priestly tribe. Perfect. Makes so much sense. He's in the line of the priests. Like he's Mm -hmm. from even the line of Aaron. Uh, And so here he is, the last prophet, uh, announcing the forgiveness of sins, preparing the way for the Messiah. And he says, all, like, people will reject him, but all who receive him and believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Yes. I love that. I mean, who were not born of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So he's now opening up the right to sonship mm-hmm. and to the inheritance. So it's like beyond the tribe. Yes. It's like you just want to be under the tribe. Mm-hmm. Under You want to receive the blessing of your father, God, mm-hmm. through Jesus. You can be born uh, of Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's huge. When right. you think about all that we're reading, that is, I mean, you're set for life. This is, if you could choose, and this is like choosing who do you want your parents to be. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I'll take uh, Paul McCartney. Huh. I'm a musician. I like that. Okay. Okay. Or I'll think, yeah, sorry. Paul yeah. Simon. Yeah. I think I'll take uh, Bill Gates. Just, you know, I'll take, like, who would you choose? Well, there's, no, there's nobody compared to Jesus Christ. Nobody compared to Father God. And it's legit. Yes. This is legitimate. This is not uh, wishful thinking or a game. Yeah. So we start with the ministry of John the Baptist. And... It's interesting, this account, we have uh, the disciples of the Pharisees running out to John asking, who are you? Are, are you claiming to be the Messiah? Are you, are you the one that we need to uh, look for? He's like, no. And he's like, uh-uh, I am not that. Um, and he's like, and they even ask him if he's Elijah, and he actually says no. Right. Which is, which is interesting, because Jesus actually says he is. Yeah. But it's cool to see like the humility of John the Baptist is going, no, no, I'm just preparing the way. I'm the voice in the wilderness making the path straight for the Lord, uh, which I like because make straight is, a, is an imagery of leveling a mountain, nice. leveling obstacles. So again, with our whole moving mountains, yeah. like that phrase keeps paying off. It's is, amazing. The way of the Lord, we're going to move some mountains so the Lord, the way of the Lord can be uh, announced through the whole world instead of just in this one location. It's amazing. Everything Jesus said is actually, there's like a thousand percent more going on mm-hmm. than uh, you can even apprehend after years of study. It just keeps giving. He says, um, and from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. And this is another tie-in. For the law was given through Moses, and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So the law, it's like representing, again, the law is good, and Jesus is fulfilling the law and bringing um, the grace and truth. And you'll see God. No one has ever seen God. 
the only God who's at the Father's uh, side, and he has made him known. Mm-hmm. So you can apprehend God. You can. God has been made known through Jesus Christ. Which is always the issue, like mm-hmm. trying to make your God known and through his works. Well, now he's being made known through his actual word. It's like the difference between seeing an artist's work on the wall and then meeting the artist. Yeah. The artist is here to yeah. tell you about the, the artwork. Yes. And instead of um, receiving him, yeah, that is cool. you throw him out. You're like, I'm telling everyone I did this. <laughs> you can't come in. Well, no, the real artist is here. Yeah, I've already kind of said I'm the artist. So uh, get rid of him. He's really a pest. Kill him. Okay. And then... uh, Sorry, that got dark. Yeah, that was weird. (laughs) Uh, An interesting note, though. John is baptizing people on the east side of the Jordan. Whoa. So he's starting his ministry on the east side. The east side. And that's where Jesus starts his ministry. Hey, that's where Jesus gets baptized, is on the east side of the Jordan uh, before he enters into the promised land to begin his reign. But I wonder if the Pharisees even knew the imagery, like we're going out to the east side yeah. because John is preparing the way into the promised Honestly, land. I, I don't so know. like we're going it's back to cool, physical spaces. Yeah. And who knows where he's at? He might be at the exact... Maybe there's still the um, the the altar of rocks in the middle of the Jordan. Jordan, Like, like, who knows? Yeah, we don't, we're not entirely sure. No, that's sanctified imagination, but still, it's like, guys, get it. It's pretty cool. The king is coming through Mm -hmm. the way he always has come, which is through the Jordan from the desert. Prepare the way. Cleanse yourself Mm -hmm. because you're cleansing this land and you're receiving a better inheritance. And that's when he says, I'm not Elijah. They're asking who he is, who John the Baptist is. And then um, they're like, why are you baptizing? Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, because I'm, I'm just baptizing with water. But there's one who you, you aren't even, it's also ironic, like you aren't even worthy to unstrap his sandals. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is going to be the one who washes Wash feet, feet, you yeah. know? And he's like, uh, but that's who's here. And then he says it twice, behold the Lamb of God. Mm-hmm. Well, again, who takes away the sin of the world. Oh. Which, I mean... If we are saying this is probably the location, like near the location where they crossed the Jordan, yeah. on the other side then is Gilgal, where the reproach was rolled away. Oh, uh, yeah. And so he's saying this, here's the Lamb of God who's going to take the reproach of the world. He's going and, to roll away the reproach Because I always world. just think the oh, Lamb man. of God who was slain mm-hmm. and whose blood was put on the doorpost and yes. who you remembered through uh, yeah. the wilderness. It's all connected to the so Old that, Testament. But that Lamb now is eternal. Like yes. The last Lamb sacrifice is mm-hmm. here. And he's going to take away sin forever. And so he says it twice. Yep. And, um, but he goes, I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed. And then, um, oh, man. Yeah, it, it just goes on. He mentions Jesus' baptism. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. Mm-hmm. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, is this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So again, I, like I'm not trying to make up stuff, but with baptism, yeah. the Holy Spirit is like linked. When you say the word baptism... John and Jesus say baptizing in Jesus' name is tied to Holy Spirit activity and marking. Um, And I think that's the the clothing, the marking, the setting apart. Um, And then he says, I've seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. 
So John the Baptist sounds crazy. So he's saying at the beginning what it takes three years for everybody else to realize. Yeah. He's saying it before Jesus says it. Yeah. This is the Son of God. This is it. Divine. This is what we've been looking for. And then the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. I know. And says, Jesus walks by and says, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples of John hear this and are like, Well, then we're going to go follow this guy. Yeah. And so they go to Jesus and say, they start following him, and Jesus turns around and goes, uh, what are you seeking? What the first you... the first line in John is, what are you seeking? What, what are you looking for? Man, if someone asked me that any at any time, what mm-hmm. are you seeking? Uh, 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 no, no, I, don't, I don't know. And then you start to cry. And then they just go, Peace? Uh, teacher, where, where are you staying? Yeah. We're seeking to be with you. Where, where, where are you going to be at? And he says, come, and you will see. And so they go, and they stay with him, and one of the two happens to be Andrew. So this is like a kind of different take yeah. on uh, on the call of Peter and Andrew, right. which is really cool too if, if the story of the disciples fasting and praying on who should write and Andrew was the one who was like, oh, John should write it. Uh, it's yeah. kind of cool that it would make sense now that Andrew's like the first one and you get a more personal take of Andrew's going, actually, I was around with John the Baptist and I was listening to what he said and he pointed out Jesus, and that's how I first was introduced to Jesus. It was because John the that's... Baptist pointed him out. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be with this guy. Right. And then he runs and tells his brother Peter and says, we found the Messiah. <laughs> and Peter, we know Peter's personality from the three other Gospels is intense. Yes. and Because uh, there is a, a place where Peter is either already met him, mm-hmm. um, has already met him mm-hmm. on the boat, while fishing and says, oh, you need to get away from me, Jesus. I'm not worth, uh, I'm, I'm a man of unclean. I'm unclean. And Jesus says, I'll make you fishers of men. So I'm not sure if what's, this sounds like it may have, I'm not sure when this happened. Yeah, this might have happened before that, but because uh, Andrew brings Peter to Jesus and Jesus says, so you are Simon, the son of John. It's like, oh, I've heard about you. Your brother's talked about you. And you'll be called Cephas. You will be called Cephas, which means Peter. Boom. The rock. The rock. And then uh, John gets right to it with um, meeting Philip mm-hmm. and says to Philip, follow me. And Philip was from the same town that Andrew and Peter were from. And then Philip goes and tells Nathaniel. So this is an interesting, I love how it's working. Andrew meets Jesus and he's like, I gotta go get my brother. Right. Then we get Philip. Jesus sees Philip, and he's like, follow me. And then Philip's like, I got to go tell Nathaniel about this. Which is why some churches, like if you've ever seen a church called St. Andrews, mm-hmm. they name it that because he's seen as an evangelist, like one of the first evangelists. Yeah. Like he goes tells somebody about Jesus. Yeah. And so it's a great, um, it's, he's a little known disciple of Christ, yeah. but he's kind of known for evangelism. And then, uh, then he goes and tells Nathaniel, and he's like, we found him of whom the of uh, of whom Moses and the law and the po- and the prophets wrote, I know. and it's Jesus of Nazareth. And then Nathaniel has the classic line of, "Can anything good come from Nazareth?" Right. It would be like, uh, "Oh, it's Jesus from Hollywood." Hollywood. <laughs> Gross. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's. I don't know any Saint Nathaniel churches. <laughs> no. But he, but he's a cool guy. He's like, I I don't know. That's a such a podunk out of the way meaningless place to be from yeah could could he really be royal yeah i i don't think so and then 
So Philip's like, just come and see. Yeah. And so Jesus is seeing Nathanael approach and says, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael's like, Whoa, how do you know me? Yeah. Like, you know about me? How do you know me? And then Jesus drops some, like, divine knowledge on him and says, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. So Jesus is saying, like, I actually saw where you were divinely when Philip went to go meet you. And Nathaniel says... Well, he goes, do you believe? And he says, do you believe? You will see greater the things than these. Oh, well, Nathaniel says, oh, you right. are the son of God. That's right. You are the king of Israel. Like, when he drops that little little knowledge on him, and instantly Nathaniel flips. And, and Jesus like, almost, I think Jesus almost laughs. He says... He says, truly, I tell you, you'll see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. You'll see much more. And he describes, like, you'll see my baptism or you'll see heavens open up and Mm -hmm. you'll you'll hear the voice of God. You're going to see so much if you hang out with me that me telling you where you were is nothing. When you first heard about me? Yeah, is nothing. That's nothing, man. I mean... Buckle up. You're in for a a real treat. The first uh, chapter of John is so packed. I mean... For me, it, it just comes down to the Word made flesh is such a huge deal. Mm-hmm. The light, the Word, the Lamb, the baptism, Jesus is here, come and see. I mean, that says it all. And uh, to all who can see are made children of God. And uh, if you can believe that, you're going to see. And I think, too, like we're going to see greater things than these, even. Cool. Yeah. That's the New Testament for today. Yeah. So then today we're going to read... Psalm 53. It's a short psalm, kind of a, nice. an intense one from David, who is a, a warrior, and so he uses some warrior language about the enemies of God. Let's hear it. The fool says in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt, doing abominable iniquity. There is none who does good. God looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all fallen away. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. Have those who work evil no no knowledge, who eat up my people as they eat bread, and do not call upon God? There they are in great terror, where there is no terror, for God scatters the bones of him who encamps against you. You put them to shame, for God has rejected them. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When God restores the fortunes of his people, let Jacob rejoice. Let Israel be glad. Boom. You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. We will talk to you next time.